0: Over the course of these four Sundays of Advent, I've been praying the solemn blessing over you at the end of Mass, and it reads, As you run the race of this present life, may he make you firm in faith, joyful in hope, and active in charity. And there, in a nutshell, we have the Christian life lived well. And that's, of course, what we've been reflecting on are these theological virtues of faith and hope and charity. But you see, nestled in there is joy as well, because that is the result of living life as God intended, living the fullness of our Christian calling. And so we have faith as that fertile soil, that land from which can spring up the other theological virtues. We have that, that faith that is a belief in what God has to reveal to us. Allowing him to form our idea of himself and of ourselves in the light of his revelation. And, and when we have that, what naturally springs from that fertile soil is the plant of hope. Right? Hope springs from being able to believe the Lord. Because then we believe his promise. We realize that we have an eternal destiny and an immortal glory. That we are created in His image and called to be with Him for all of eternity. That our life was not a mistake. That it is not just a cosmic accident that we're here, but that we were loved into existence for an eternity of love. That hope gives us energy to move forward. Because if we know that that's what lies ahead... We can move through the darkness with that light guiding us forward. But it can't end there. Because it's easy for us to say, oh, I believe Jesus and that he has called me to heaven. So, all right, I'm saved in him and I don't have to do anything more. But the fruit of that plant, the beautiful flower that it buds and blossoms, is charity. We're called to be firm in faith, joyful in hope, and active in charity. We can't just leave it at, God is so good, he's called me to heaven, I know that I'm saved, and that's it. It's, if he has called me to heaven, what does somebody who is called to heaven do? How does one who is called to be conformed to Christ act? And the answer is charity. But too often, when we hear charity, or selfless love, we think, ugh, okay... That's an obligation. I need to say no to myself and say yes to whatever other people need. And I guess that's just the drudgery of Christian existence. Instead of realizing that your heart yearns for charity. Your heart at its deepest level recoils at the thought of selfishness. Because selfishness is isolation. And your heart was made for connection with another. At its deepest level, your heart wants to be as selfless as the sacred heart because it is, in fact, a living image of that sacred heart. Your heart wants to be like Jesus' heart that that, that just uh, is filled with this other-centered love because that was the heart that was its template in which it was made. Your heart is most fully alive when it is beating in service of God and others. And that's what charity is. It is to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to put the other's needs in front of my wants. Charity is to say, I want to be as loving as God has been to me. And that's not easy. But charity, even more than the other theological virtues, because all of them are gifts from God that we then exercise, but charity, perhaps more than the other two, is one that you have to receive before you can exercise it. Because you know what? I, this is going to be a shock to you all. There are some people in this world that are hard to love. And I, I, I know that's like a tough thing for you all to grasp because you've never experienced any of them. But I, I'm going to shock you again. I'm one of those people that's very hard to love. The closer that you get to know me, just ask my family. Right, We all have those moments and those uh, environments in which we revert to our most selfish selves. And, and, and every single one of us is for someone else a cross. Right? We might not know it, but we might be so difficult for someone else to love. And what's beautiful about God's love is that it shows us that even though we can be annoying, we can be selfish, we can be downright mean and wicked... We're never unlovable. We're always infinitely lovable because the infinite God loves us and he's got all the dirt on us. But only when we realize just how far God is willing to go to love us, even when we're our least lovely, our least lovable, then we, we gain the ability to love those who are difficult to love in our lives. What do I mean? Well, when we reflect on God's astounding love, which, by the way, we read about in the Gospel of John, which is our homework assignment for this week, not homework assignment, don't worry, it's our opportunity to encounter the living Lord in the scriptures. But that is just this this beautiful exploration into the eternal love of God made flesh in Jesus Christ. It's the masterpiece of all of Scripture because in there we see that God from all eternity had you in mind. He saw all of the ways that you are quirky and weird and annoying and sometimes downright wicked and selfish. And he still said... The thought of you brings a smile to my face, and I'm going to create you. And not only am I going to create you, I'm going to sustain you throughout your life. I'm going to call you to eternity. I'm going to reveal myself to you so that you can accept me in faith. I'm going to promise you eternal life that you can grasp onto and hope. And then I'm going to show you what love looks like by never giving up on you, so that then you can reflect that in your charity. Because think about it. God knows just how selfish we can be. Maybe not you, but me. I know what sin is. I know what I should and shouldn't do. And I will still sometimes say the thing I shouldn't say or do the thing that I shouldn't do. And God will give me all of the exit ramps in the world. He'll say, don't do it, don't do it. I'm warning you, come on, red flag, come on. Exit now, exit now. And I will stubbornly persist and I will sin. And it breaks my heart. That I I will be so unloving to the Lord. I will be slapping him in the face. Spitting in his eye by by willingly committing this sin. And at that moment I expect him to just smite me. To to prove to me how unlovable I am. Because that's how I feel. right? That's how you feel after you've committed a sin. After you've let someone down. And God stubbornly and persistently and relentlessly says, No, I will not stop loving you. Even if you slap me in the face, spit in my eye, put a nail in my hand, I will use that hand to bless you. And when we reflect on that, the charity that we've received, charity expressed and lived out, becomes that much easier, that much more possible. Because when I look at someone who is just being so rotten, so unlovable, I see in them a mirror. And I realize been that way to God, but he's been so good to me. You know what? Maybe I can be a little bit more patient. Maybe I can be a little bit more understanding. I mean, this doesn't mean that I'm suffering an abusive relationship. It doesn't mean that I'm a doormat and I never stand up for people having to act rightly and justly. But what it does mean is that in the midst of all that, I choose never to hate them. It means that even if I have to love them from a distance, I will relentlessly love them and pray for them. It means that I will try to be as understanding as possible. And before I jump to a conclusion, I will rack my brain for what is this person going through right now that's causing them to act this way? And how is that possible? How am I able to do that? Because I consistently reflect on how the Lord has treated me with such incredible mercy. In fact, we're very often those toddlers who are throwing a temper tantrum. Right, You've held them before. You might be holding them right now. The toddler that just says, I love you, I love you, and then just a moment later is slapping you in the face and saying, I hate you because you didn't give them what they wanted. And you still hold them in your hands. And you wait for the temp term, temp term to pass. And you say, no, 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 you'll, you'll come to your senses soon enough. And they move from hatred to love just like that. They move from slapping you in the face to tears drying on their eyes and just collapsing in your arms and realizing, yes, this is the only place I want to be. That's how we are with God. How often is it that we are slapping him in the face and instead of throwing us down and saying, how dare you, you mere creature, he says, it's okay, my child. You're here. You're safe. I've got you. If he's been so good to us, may we have that faith, that hope, that joy, and that love to be so good to each other. As we enter into this final week of Advent, when love was not only made flesh but made visible for us in the Christ child, may we think of those people who are most unlovable in our lives. At this very Mass, we could probably all think of at least three. Give them to the Lord on the altar and say, Lord, this week I commit myself not only to learn what your love looks like through reading the Gospel of John, not only to beg for that love to be experienced in my own soul through my personal prayer this week, maybe a confession where I'm able to be reconciled to you in that place where you restore my capacity to love, But I also pray that I will be able to love these people and think of those specific people. You can even think of the ways that they've hurt you, the reason why you have every right to be mad at them and instead give them to the Lord and say, Lord, I choose to love them because I don't want my heart to be captive to the bonds of hatred. And so we can believe what the Lord has revealed of himself to us in faith. Believing that we can live lives of hope, knowing that eternal glory is before us if only we cling to Christ. Animated by the joy that that gives, we can then pour ourselves out in love for each other, the way that the Lord has poured Him out himself out in charity for us.